Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Good morning, everybody. We have been enjoying uh, our time in Birmingham. We love the weather here as compared to Chicago. And I love that you are currently going through the Gospel of Matthew. Um, I love the stories of Jesus, and I think it's important that we look at the stories of Jesus again, the way they were originally written, because in our time, a lot of people are making up their own Jesus, and we need to find out who the real Jesus is. So today's another dive into the real Jesus. Now, Jesus is looking for disciples, but not just any kind of disciple. He's looking for a little bit more than just people who say his name or put on the label. He's looking for more than that. He's looking for people who are all in. And to be all in... You have to overcome some major issues that can hinder our discipleship. And that's what today's passage is about. So if you want to turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, which is where we are, beginning at verse 18, we'll look at the first of the obstacles, and we'll slowly work our way through here. Matthew 8, beginning at verse 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Hold on to that because that becomes important at the end. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So here comes this man. He's a teacher of the law. He's a prominent person. He's a religious person. He's a person who's very passionate about following and seeking God. And he says, I want to follow you, Jesus. And Jesus basically says to him, I don't think you know what you're asking. Because I don't even have a place to lay my head. Now, when Jesus says the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, I don't think it's really ultimately about houses and beds. You know, he's not looking for all of his disciples to become what we would call gypsies or travelers who live on the road. You know, that's not what this is about. What it's about is being in control. If you will follow Jesus, you're going to have to give up control. Jesus is not offering an easier life. I want to say that again. Jesus is not offering an easier life. He's offering a better life, a fuller life, but not easy. Because it's a life of unpredictability. It's a life where you don't know where you're going next. To get it, to follow him truly, 
you have then to give up control because he's on the move and he may take you to places you don't expect. He could change anything in your life if you're truly his disciple. He will most likely change how you spend your time. He may take you to unexpected places. You might be an American finding themselves living in Birmingham. <laughs> you never know where you're going to go. You know, uh, I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. My grandfather's a pastor. When I was a teenager, I said, I'll never be a pastor. We'll see how, you see how that turned out. And, you know, when you grow up in church, there comes a time when you have to make a decision for yourself. Am I going to follow Jesus as my own choice, not my family's choice? And so when I was about 17, I started thinking about my own choice. Would I really follow Jesus? I was thinking, anticipating going to university and I thought, when I get to university, I can be any kind of person I want to be. When I get to university, if I don't want to follow Jesus, I don't have to follow Jesus. I can be any kind of person. So what do I want to do? And so for about nine months, I just thought about this. And I thought about the people I knew who were following Jesus and the people I knew who weren't following Jesus. And I finally concluded... In the end, number one, I've seen too much of God's power to not follow Jesus. But number two, the people who follow Jesus just live better lives. So I decided then and there that I would not just follow Jesus when I got to university, but for the rest of my life. But I thought, if I'm going to do something for the whole rest of my life, I'm going to stop being halfway about it. I'm going to be all in. And I prayed this prayer. Okay, God, you and I are making an agreement today. From now on, whatever happens in my life is your will. Even if I'm asking for something different. God has been very faithful to uphold that. <laughs> on numerous occasions. When I was asking for something and he had a better idea. And it's been a fantastic life. It's been amazing. But not always easy. Hardly ever predictable. Sometimes difficult. But a good life. You see, Jesus is not just a pretty ornament to visit once in a while. He's the king. He's the Lord. He came to make right everything that's wrong in the world. And everything that's wrong in me. And he came to lay claim to you and to me and to our life. So how can you actually, what I want to ask is, have you ever, you're sitting here this morning, have you ever really actually turned everything over to him? Have you like made the agreement? Have you said, it's all yours? Have you given him control? Because that's the first thing you need to do if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus. you got to sign it over to him completely and totally. Then the next, Matthew 8.21. Let's see if I can 
get my phone to turn on. There we go. Another disciple came to him, said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now, this is actually really about cultural expectations. This man is wanting to postpone, put off following Jesus in order to fulfill a very powerful, very important cultural expectation that he would be there to bury his father. When his father's dying, that he would be there and he would take care of him and bury him and lead the mourning for his father because when his father died, the son was expected to lead the mourning process. But Jesus, and his, his problem, of course, is if he goes with Jesus, he won't be where his father is. And so he, his cultural expectation might not be fulfilled. But Jesus challenges him, let the dead bury the dead. Those who are alive to the coming of the kingdom of God in Jesus have much more important things to do than fulfill the cultural expectations of the time. The life of the kingdom takes priority over our cultural expectations. This one is a tough one sometimes because, you know, we, we don't realize all of our cultural expectations till we, like, have to give them up. And then it's a big deal. Then it's hard. And we all have different ones because we're all in this room from different cultures. But the one thing that's true is that Jesus comes first. You know... In our time, in the West, there's a great emphasis on family and a great emphasis on financial success. You know, Western culture treats those, those, those are top priority, to have financial success and do well with your family and spend lots of time with them. But not so for those who would follow Jesus. There's an urgency for those who would follow Jesus to seek first the kingdom of God. And sometimes that leads them away from those things, away from family, away from financial success. You know, uh, back in 1985, the Holy Spirit invaded our little church. We had a small church in Chicago and we had met the vineyard and then, and a couple of us had met the vineyard, and then one day the Holy Spirit just fell on the whole room. And it was quite dramatic at first because the very first time, half the church ended up on the floor. Um, and nobody had ever fallen down in our church, ever. And I can remember saying, I think all that falling stuff is fake. <laughs> yeah. So once again, <laughs> God proved me wrong. And... You know what happened was something opened up for us. It was like a whole new world. We started seeing miracles. People started getting healed. And we couldn't get enough of it. And in that time, you know, uh, some of the vineyard leaders, John Wember and some other people, were traveling around the U.S. and even other parts of the world doing conferences to teach people about signs and wonders. And basically every person in our church church 
just picked up and went to every conference that we could go to so we could get more, so we could learn it, so we could take it on until basically by the end of the year, nobody had any money left and nobody had any vacation time left. Like, we just spent it all to get the kingdom. Spent it all to get the kingdom. You know, Jesus tells a parable about people who find the kingdom. It's like finding a treasure in your field and you spend everything to get it. That's what he's expecting, that we would be those kind of people. You know, sometimes the lordship of Jesus is in complete opposition to our cultural expectations, not just inconvenient to it, but opposition to it. You know, we have in our time the idolatry of self. You know, what we hear all the time, be yourself, fulfill yourself, follow yourself, follow your heart, express your desires, be true to yourself. Self-expression is seen as being the ultimate expression, the ultimate pathway to thriving in life. And everyone is expected to embrace and affirm this idolatry of self. But Jesus calls us to die to ourselves. He calls us to be transformed, changed into his image, not ours. And if you're going to follow Jesus in our time, then you got to be prepared. You have to be prepared to stand up against the idols of our time. That's a necessary step in the process of discipleship. If you can't stand up against the expectations, you might have trouble following Jesus all the time. And then we come to verse 23. Now remember, at the beginning, Jesus said, let's get in the boat and go over. So then verse 23, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. And suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. And the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. The final concern that we have to overcome in becoming disciples is the concern about safety. They were afraid. And that's quite interesting because some of them were experienced fishermen. They were not new to being on the boat or on the water. And yet they were still afraid. So this, this storm is a particularly furious storm, a storm beyond their capability. They were beyond their own ability, and so they were afraid. Became gripped by fear. Jesus will lead you beyond your ability. Take it from me, for sure. You see, because that's where faith is. 
That's where faith comes into play. When it's what you can do and what you can control, there's no faith needed for that. He will lead you somewhere where you're out beyond what you can control. And when that happens, fear may step in. But understand this. If you're in the boat with Jesus, you need never fear. When the Son of God says, we're going to the other side, you are going to the other side. Storm aside. You're in his hands. If you are with him, then he is going to get you where you're supposed to go. Because he's in control even of the storm. What fear holds you back? The fear of failure? The fear of harm? The fear of conflict? You know, there was a time in my life when I became fearful about what would happen to my children if I died young. And it gripped me for a while. And then finally God said, who do you trust more to take care of your children? Me or you? Whose hands are more capable? Huh? And then I realized he is more capable. Because the truth is, I, don't, I can't control everything. I can't keep them safe. They're better off in his hands. That was the end of the fear. There's another time when I encountered God in power, really, at the very beginning of meeting the vineyard. And it was like fire going through my body for about three hours. And what was happening was God was burning out my fear of what other people thought. Maybe it's the fear of what other people think that holds you back. Whatever it is, know this. Jesus wants you to live in faith, not fear. And you don't need to fear because if you're following him, he's got it all. He's got you. He's got your future. He's got your provision. He's got your family. He's got your houses. You know, over now, Basically, well, let's see, 35 years? Sin and I have lived in a number of places. Every single time, there has been a supernatural guidance. God has given us a place to live, including this little place we're staying in, in Birmingham. God has always made it work. He's got you. So it really only makes sense to give yourself completely Holy to him and never let go. So let's just take a minute and pray right now. What obstacle is holding you back, keeping you from giving him at all? Is it the cultural expectations? Is it the fear? of unpredictability, or is it your need to be in control? 
What is it that would hold you back? Whatever that is, give it to Jesus now. Jesus, would you grip our hearts to become true disciples who follow you wherever you go, to become like you, to be disciples you are pleased with? Would you set us free from the things that hold us back? Break the power of these things that would hold us back the power of fear, the power of uncertainty, the power of pressure from the world around us. Break their power over our hearts and our minds so that we may be truly free in you. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.